Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. So let's take our Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 this morning. We are wrapping up our series, Hope in Darkness. We're going to be done with this series. We are not done with the book of Luke, though. We will be back in the book of Luke uh, in in about a month and a half or so. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll get back into it with a new series in Luke chapter 4. But Luke chapter 3 is where we're going to uh, to be this morning. And I have a question for, <clears throat> I've got a question for all of the dads that are here. I know it's not Father's Day yet. Mother's Day is next week, just so everybody knows. We will be honoring all the moms next week. So moms plan to be here. You won't want to miss it. It's a, uh, just, just you don't want to miss it, all right? Just plan to be here next week. But dads, I have a question for you, all right? It's Christmas Day uh, you get your kids a gift, and they open up this gift, and it's, uh, it's a wagon, and that wagon needs to be put together. You open the box. Right as you open the box, there's this booklet right in the front. It has these weird words on it that says, instructions for assembly. Dads, let me ask you, let me just ask you a quick question. Where does that belong? In the garbage. Right, dads, we look, at, we look at an instruction manual and we're like, what is the point of this? It's a wagon, like a little box on four wheels. How hard could it be, you know? And I've, I could do this. And man, we get that, you, you put it together. And then after you get done, you go, huh, wonder what those few bolts go to. That, that crossbar is kind of weird. Huh, must have been extra. <laughs> You know, because everybody's about giving you extra nowadays. They just put extra, extra bolts in there. No, we realize like that list, that instruction manual is important. It's like, it's like the ingredients on food. Be honest. How many people actually pay attention to the ingredients on the food? Not many. There's like three of you that are like, I do. My wife is one of them. And unless your name is, you know, like Hannah Fountain or a few of you others, I, cu- I couldn't tell you anything about those ingredients. But here's what I've learned over the last few years. Those ingredients actually matter. Like if you're walking through the store and going to buy something and my wife now, she'll go, hey, do you know what? I can't even, I can't even say the names of these things. And she's like, well, you know what that is? Well, that doesn't need to be in your body. And that doesn't need to, this actually, this is acid. You don't need this in, I'm kidding, it's not really acid, but man, she'll read some things and she'll be like, you don't need this in your body. And then now I know this, even though I don't know what all of those things are, like the ingredients are important. Let's be honest though. There's a lot of times in life that we come across lists, instructions, ingredients, and this doesn't mean anything to us. We just read right over it. We read right over it until after finding out we actually needed it. And here's the point. Often, if we're not careful, we can do that with the Bible. You know, there are places in Scripture that we read over lists. And if you're like me, you think, what is the point of this? 
like lists like uh, genealogies, lineages. You ever read in the Bible, those of you that have been Bible students for a while, you read the Bible and you're reading over and it just comes to a list of names and it says so-and-so beget so-and-so, who beget so-and-so, who beget so-and-so, and on and on and on and on it goes. And you're just like flipping and you're flipping pages and you're thinking, I'm just gonna get to the good stuff. Why? Because what is the point of this? But here's what we're gonna do today. Today, we're going to come, the entire message, the entire message is about one of those lists. It's all about names. Because in Luke chapter three, we come to a list of names from verse 23 all the way down through verse number 38, 16 verses of 77 names. And if we're not careful, we might look at it and say, what point is this? Like, why is this in here? But we need to remember this truth. Jesus said it this way through Paul in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16 and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hey, you know what Paul said? All scripture is profitable. It's good for us. Paul wrote it in the book of Romans. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our, what's the word? Learning. And for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scripture, might have hope. So as we come to Luke chapter 3 this morning, here's what we're going to discover, the title of the message today. The list has meaning. There is meaning with this list, and there's purpose with this list. And so as we get into the message today, honestly, 77 names, we're not going to dissect every one of them. We're not going to learn about every one of them because we really don't have the time, nor do we know a lot about them. But here's what we're going to do. The message is going to be kind of broken up into two parts today. The first part is is me geeking out. What do you mean, pastor? I have learned so much this week and been helped by so much this week regarding like a lot of random facts about genealogies and lists and lineages. And so the first part is just really cool. It's like a lot of in-depth stuff. We're gonna prove why does this genealogy need to be here? Why did Luke write it? What's the difference between Luke's genealogy and Matthew's genealogy? We're gonna talk about that. But then toward the end of the message... I'm gonna give you four things that you can think, four things that you can be reminded of every time you read a genealogy. We'll, we'll see all four of those specifically in our passage today. But four things that I think every time you now read over names, if you'd put these four things in your brain, it'll help you not just peruse the names and be done, but actually look at the names and recognize these four truths. So here's what we're going to do today. Normally, we would stand, we would read a passage together and then pray. You're going to stay seated because we're reading 16 verses with just names. And then we're going to pray and we'll get into it. So take your Bible, Luke chapter 3 and verse number 23. Luke chapter 3, verse number 23. Let's go. If I can get there first. Here we go. And Jesus himself began to be, are you guys doing that? I got it. This works you stay out of this. Is it not working now? I don't trust you. Okay, I'll let you do this part. Okay, he's going to do this. Let's go. Luke chapter, Luke chapter uh, 3, verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Mathat, 
which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Janna, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Mattathias, which was the son of Amos, which was the son of Nahum, which was the son of Elsi, or Esli, which was the son of Nagi, which was the son of Maath, which was the son of Mattathias, which was the son of Simei, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Judah. Still with me? All right, we're not done yet. Which was the son of Joanna? Which was the son of Resa? Which was the son of Zerubbabel? Which was the son of Shealtiel? Which was the son of Neri? Which was the son of Melchi? Which was the son of Adi? Which was the son of Kosam? Which was the son of Elmodam? Which was the son of Ur? Which was the son of Jose? He's the only Spanish guy in the Bible. Which was the son of Eliezer? Which was the son of Joram? Which was the son of Mathat? Which was the son of Levi? Which was the son of Simeon? Which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Jonan, which was the son of Eliakim, which was the son of Meliah, which was the son of Manan, which was the son of Mattatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Now your brain just went, hey, I know that name. There's one I know. Which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Salmon, which was the son of Nason, which was the son of Aminadab, which was the son of Aram, which was the son of Esrom, which was the son of Pharez, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Terah, which was the son of Nahor, which was the son of Saruk, which was the son of Ragua, which was the son of Phalek, which was the son of Haber, which was the son of Salah which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxad, which was the son of Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of uh, Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Meleliel, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. There's a lot there, huh? A lot of names. And as we go through this, if we're not careful, if you're not careful, you just all you read is names. But there's so much more here. And so we're gonna jump into this study and recognize that this list, it has meaning for us, it has help for us, and today I think it'll even have challenge into your life to help you and I. And so let's pray and ask God to bless our time with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if you would, just in the quietness of the moment, would you pray? And would you ask God, would you ask God to just help you this morning? God, help me today. Speak to me. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, God, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, we come before you today and I pray, Father, that you would just help us. Help us, Lord, to hear from you. Help us to be used by you. Help us to, Lord, not only to uh, know what you want us to, to have, but God, that you'd help us to apply it into our own lives. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone that's with us in person or maybe online, that today would be the day that they put their faith and their trust completely in you, Lord, if they don't know you as Savior. We love you, God. pray that you bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you come to the book of Luke in chapter number three, Luke is writing a lineage. There's purpose behind this. And 
We're gonna, we're gonna discover some things today, but I just wanna kind of give you the, the thought on the forefront that Luke is writing about the lineage of Mary, all right? Luke is gonna write about the lineage of Mary, Mary's family history. Matthew, if you go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number one, Matthew writes about Joseph's lineage, Joseph's heritage. Now, here's how we know that, okay? I want you to look with me, if you will, at verse number 23. Verse number 23, it says this, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Do you see that phrase there, as was supposed? Being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Luke writes, and he writes to us. Now, um, okay, here's what we're gonna do. My brain right now is filled with like 12 hours of reading just lineage stuff. So if at random points I spit out random thoughts about lineages, just stay with me. I might even repeat myself. Here's what we need to know. Lineage, genealogies, to us, don't mean a lot. Like if I were to ask you, who's your great, great, great grandpa? You'd be like, I don't know. Now, maybe you do. You would be the one out of 20 people that might know your great, great, great grandpa. But for Jews and for Hebrews, lineage is huge. Like they know it, they needed to know it, and we're gonna talk more about that. So when you and I read uh, the book of Luke, when we come to this lineage, we need to know that Luke is writing to people who understand lineage, who understand uh, the genealogies. So, but here's what's interesting about verse 23. He uses the phrase, as was supposed. Now that phrase, as was supposed, it means this, the, the wording means to do by law or to accustom or to deem or to regard. Here's the wording maybe that we would use today in our context. We would say that Jesus was the adopted son of Joseph. That's what we would say. Why? Because Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, right? He, he was not a descendant of Joseph. He was adopted by Joseph. So verse 23 points out he was the adopted son of Joseph. But verse 23 also points out another reason. So these are, we're talking about why do we believe this is the lineage of Mary? Well, because he was the adopted son of Joseph. But then also at the end of verse number 23, notice what it says at the end of verse 23. It says the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. All right, well, now, if we're just reading it, and if I didn't include this point, you would go, well, what does that have to do with anything? When it says was the son of Heli, <clears throat> here's what we read in Matthew. Matthew chapter one and verse number 16, it says, Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary. Okay, so wait. Luke says Joseph, the son of Heli. Matthew says Joseph, the son of Jacob. Are they, is there a discrepancy? Are they lying? No. This is where we have to, we have to remember some wording. As was supposed the son of Joseph, who was the son of Heli. Here's what Luke is doing. He's saying, Joseph was the adopted father of Jesus, so I'm going to skip over Joseph and take you to Mary. Joseph is the son-in-law of Heli. He, his father, Joseph's dad was Jacob, so who's Heli belong to? Mary. Mary is, or Eli is Mary's father. 
So when, Joseph, or when Luke writes this, he's writing it on purpose, and the reader, in their context, they would immediately know, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, who was the son-in-law of Heli. That phrase, son, there, there's a bunch of things I could talk about regarding the Greek wording that's there, but it basically helps us understand he was not born into Eli's family. He married into Eli's family. So this is Mary's lineage. Now, Neither of these genealogies, though, in Matthew or Luke, here's what we need to know. <clears throat> we just read 77 names. In genealogies in Scripture, what I just said a second ago about the, the Jews really putting a lot of emphasis on genealogies. Um, okay, stay with me. Uh, if I use the word diaspora, it means dispersion. Okay, so the Jews were dispersed from Israel. They were kicked out of their country. How many of you remember that? You know that? That took place in history. Well, here's what the Jews did. Because lineage was so important to them, whenever a child was born, they would actually write back to somebody in Jerusalem, even though it wasn't seen as a country, even though they were kicked out, they would write back, hey, we just had a baby. His name is this. He belongs in our family line, and they will keep track of family lineage. Well, why do they do that? Because it proves a lot of things. It proves the validation of your family and your heritage and ownership and all of that type of stuff. But whenever they write lineages, there's some assumptions that they have that we can't really understand at times. So I'm gonna make a quick comparison. Sometimes they skip over names or generations because people just knew who it belonged to. Three years ago, if you would have said, Dennis Fountain of Moses Lake Baptist Church. If you'd have said Dennis Fountain of Moses Lake Baptist Church, you could have been referring to three people. Well, why? Because my son is Dennis Fountain of Moses Lake Baptist Church. I am Dennis Fountain of Moses Lake Baptist Church. And my dad, who was still alive at the time and a member of our church, was Dennis Fountain of Moses Lake Baptist Church. So you would say, well, which Dennis Fountain? So in what we would say, we would write it and we would say, all right, Dennis Fountain, the son of Dennis Fountain, the son of Dennis Fountain, the son of Elmer Fountain. That's what we would think in our American thinking. But what they would do is they would skip, one of the things they would do is skip me and my son. So let's say my son, Dennis, has a kid and we're gonna call him Albert. I just randomly grabbed that out of the air. I told him that this morning, and he was like, no, I would not name my kid Albert. And I said, well, I am. So here's what you would say. Albert was the son of Dennis Fountain, who was the son of Elmer Fountain. What they would do is they would literally skip dad and grandpa, go right to great-grandpa and great-great-grandpa because everybody knew. Dennis Fountain, Albert was the son of Dennis, who was the son of Dennis, who was the son of Dennis, who was the son of Elmer. Does that make sense? So as you read names and it skips little things, if you're doing the math and you look at 77 names, you would go, how do we get from Jesus 77 generations all the way back to Adam? That the math doesn't compute because we skip some names. Now here's what we need to know. 
We need to look, and for our purpose of the message this morning, we got to ask the question, okay, so why these names? Why here in, in Luke chapter number three? Well, that's where we have to travel back to Luke chapter one. All right, you still with me? Luke chapter one. Go back to verse number one of Luke chapter one, and we read these words. We read this, for as, mu- for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Okay, I, I read all of that because this is Luke setting up his gospel. Luke was writing to someone named Theophilus. He calls him almost excellent Theophilus. So what can we kind of, what are, what's an assumption we can make about Theophilus? Well, an assumption we can make is that he's some sort of royalty. All right, Theophilus is some sort of royalty or, or high up in something for him to say, oh, most excellent. Why else was Luke writing? Well, in those first four verses, and we don't have time to, the, the time to really dive into all the wording, he says, hey, other people are writing the story of Jesus. I'm gonna write it to you in order. Did you catch that when, he was re- when we were reading it? I'm gonna write this to you in order. Why did he say that? Because at this time, Matthew is writing his book. All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're writing about uh, their experience with Christ or a secondhand experience with Christ. And so if you've ever read the book of Matthew, you ever read Matthew and thought like, Matthew's brain is like all over the place. It's like, hey, Jesus was born. Then he preached this great message on the Mount of Beatitudes. Oh, by the way, he healed somebody here. And Matthew kind of jumps all over the timeline. Luke says, I'm gonna write this to you in order. Now, my question was, if Luke is writing in order, then why wait till the end of chapter three to include the lineage? Wouldn't that be one of the first things? Pause. Matthew writes his book to help Jews recognize Jesus as the Messiah. That's what Matthew, that's the book of Matthew. I want Jews to know Jesus is the Messiah. Luke is writing to Theophilus. Well, we don't know a lot about him, but we could probably assume that Theophilus was either a Jew that was raised amongst Gentiles or a Gentile himself. And Luke writes so that everybody, not just Jews, but all Gentiles and Jews would know that Jesus is not only the Messiah, but he's the savior of the world. Luke writes all of this on purpose. Okay, knowing that, the first two chapters of Luke, okay, the first two and a half chapters of Luke, we are only introduced to the birth of Christ. We don't have a lot of one-on-one interaction with Jesus. We read about him being 12 years old, teaching in the temple. But what we've read so far is Zacharias and Elizabeth having John the Baptist Mary being told she's gonna have a child, her giving birth, the shepherds 
Annas, or, or excuse me, Anna and uh, uh, um, uh, Simeon, and then you read about uh, chapter three, you read about John the Baptist baptizing. There's a lot of things taking place, but not something directly connected with Jesus. But from Luke chapter four, all the way to the end of the book to Luke 24, do you know what you read about? It's all about Jesus. So it's like Luke is doing this. Hey, I'm gonna show you how he came into this world. Now I'm gonna prove to you through lineage and then through his story that Jesus is the Christ. So why is he writing the lineage? He's writing to Theophilus to validate who Jesus is. He's about to validate Jesus by his ministry, miracles, and message, but right now he's gonna validate him through heritage. We can't catch all of these things, nor do I have the time to explain all of them. But very briefly, let me give you a few things that are proven through a lineage. All right, number one, this lineage is proof of deity. It is proof that Jesus is the son of God. When it says, as was supposed the son of Joseph, everybody knows Jesus was the son of God. He was born of the Virgin Mary. This lineage and the wording is just another proof that Jesus is in fact God. This is a proof of royalty, all right? We're gonna see in just a minute, we recognized a name there just a few minutes ago, but this proves that Jesus is from the Davidic line. Now, the Messiah was prophesied to come through the Davidic line, and this is very significant. This is very significant because had Jesus not been from the line of David, he could not be the claimed Messiah. He can't be Messiah. Okay, back to geeking out for just a minute. Are you still with me? Okay, this is super cool. Uh, Those of you that know the Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they made up a religious group called the Sanhedrin. They attacked Jesus constantly, right? They attacked him and said, you aren't the Christ, and they, they did all of this stuff. If you go and you read their attacks, do you wanna know one thing that we don't read? Now, this doesn't mean it didn't happen, but we don't read it at all in scripture. They never attacked the lineage of Jesus. Okay, now that, in our mind, we think, well, what does that mean? It's because everybody knew that if you said you were from the Davidic line, you probably had documents to back it up. And Jesus could he could actually back it up on mother's side because this we just read, David is there. He also could back it up on Joseph's side. Uh, Joseph's line goes through Solomon. Mary's line goes through Nathan, both of them the sons of David. Now, this is where it gets really cool. In Jeremiah chapter number um, chapter number 22. In Jeremiah chapter 22, there are seven verses that speak to one of the sons of Solomon, uh, descendants of Solomon called Jeconiah. Here's the prophecy given to Jeconiah. Jeconiah, no one from your bloodline will ever sit on the throne. No one could ever be the king or Messiah from Jeconiah's lifeline, from Jeconiah's bloodline. Okay, stay with me. I wish I would put it up there. I wish I could write on there. 
You have Solomon. You have one of his descendants as Jeconiah. It's promised to him, you will never be king. You will never sit on the throne. Jeconiah is a direct, in the, in the direct lineage of Joseph. So if Jesus was born of Joseph, the Jews would have been able to say to him, you can't be king. You can't be Messiah. Why? Because the prophecy was given that no king would ever be from the family of Jeconiah. But they never said that because Jesus was the supposed son of Joseph. He was adopted. His line actually went through Nathan. So he could be king. He can be Messiah. It is proof of his royalty. It's proof of the Davidic line. Not only is it that, it's proof of his Messiahship. Because of the Davidic line, he can be, in fact, the Messiah sent to all of the Jews. He can be the promised one. What else does it prove? Well, this genealogy for us, it proves, fourthly, the, the proof of Jesus being Savior for all of humanity. Now, this is cool, too. Matthew's lineage only goes back to Abraham. Who was Matthew writing to? He's writing to Jews. So what's he trying to prove? Jesus, the savior of all Jews. The lineage that we just read, who did it go back to? Verse 38, Adam. It went back to the very first man. Why is that significant? Because Luke is saying, hey, he's not just the savior of the Jews. I didn't stop at Abraham. No, no, no. He's the savior of all who would believe. I love how one man put it. Listen to this quote, and I think it's be on the screen says this, while Matthew focuses on Jesus being the Messiah and king of Israel by tracing his genealogy back through David to Abraham, Luke has a different purpose. He wants to show that Jesus is the unique son of man and son of God, savior of all people. Thus, he traces Jesus's genealogy back beyond Abraham to Adam, who was directly created by God, the son of God in chapter three, verse 38. Not only does this argue for a literal Adam, it links Jesus with all humanity, showing that he is not only the savior of the Jews, but also savior of any son or daughter of Adam who will turn to him. What does this tell us? Man, Jesus came to save everybody. Proves deity, royalty, messiahship, his proof of being the savior of all the world. Three other things very quickly. It proves land ownership. It proves heritage and position, and it has the proof of inheritance or what someone would get for being part of a family. Jews, they would keep the great lineage record, and they did it with purpose. So we read these names. We can hear some quick facts about them which I could just go on and on about this. Like I have, it has blown my mind. I've loved it this week. I've loved reading names. Isn't that crazy? But I thought this, okay, God, I know it's there for a purpose from Luke to Theophilus and then to us as readers. But God, all through scripture, we know that things should point us back to you. So here's my question. How does this lineage or really, how does any other lineage or genealogy, how can it help you in your life? How, how can this help me in my life? So as we look, look at Luke chapter three, I wanna give you very quickly four lessons that you and I can learn from Luke three about a genealogy, but you don't just have to apply it to Luke three. 
I would encourage you, anytime you ever read a genealogy, anytime, these four lessons are probably applicable to it as well. Lesson number one. Whenever you read a genealogy, specifically this one in Luke chapter number three, you need to remember that God remembers your name. Hey, God remembers your name. We're going through these names, and other than maybe a handful of names, you probably didn't recognize a bunch of these. Out of 77 different names, you probably could remember or recognize just maybe maybe seven or eight, maybe 15 if you really know the Old Testament. But here's what we need to see today is that these names are not just here to fill something. No, these names, they matter. They are, a narr- they are part of the narrative that Luke is being told by God to give to us. They matter. And the truth is this today, that while you may never, listen, while you may never read your name in history or while other people may never know your name or they may mess up your name or mispronounce your name or forget your name, listen, God remembers your name. Think about some of the Old Testament passages where we read this, like Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number one. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. This is God speaking to his people, the people of Israel. And now we could say God speaking even to us as his people in the New Testament. Hey, here's the principle. I know your name. How about Jeremiah chapter one and verse number five, where God said this, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I set you apart and I ordained you. I had a plan with you, Jeremiah. Hey, the the thought today, before you were born, God had a plan with your life. Hey, he knows your name. Psalm 91, verse number 14, it says, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Uh, kind of a little discourse between the psalmist and God and the psalmist saying, man, I will, I, the psalmist saying, I recognize that you know my name. How about Psalm 139? What a great passage, the entire chapter. But listen to these verses. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. When as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. You know what the psalmist was saying? Man, before, when God was forming me in the belly, he knew my DNA. He knew my substance. He knew everything about me. He writes before this, I can't hide from the presence of God. What is the psalmist saying? Hey, God knows you. God said this to Moses, I know you by name. What a great verse, John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of mine. Hey, that's Jesus saying, I know who belongs to me. Say, pastor, why is this important? Because every time you read a genealogy and you read everybody else's name, you can know God has your name recorded. God knows your name. I think for years I prided myself in being able to remember names I wouldn't, I just pride myself. I can remember names until 
you realize you don't remember names as well as you think you do. And it's the most embarrassing when you call somebody the wrong name. Some of you, I've called you the wrong name, and I'm sorry. I apologize. But it's horrible sometimes. I'll meet somebody, they'll be like, hey, you know, my name's Paul. I'll be like, hey, Paul, good to see you. Next time I see him, I'm like, hey, Peter, how you doing, man? He's like, my name's not Peter. Sure it is. You know, and next week I'm like, hey, Jeremiah, how are It's a Bible character, I know that. And here's the thought. You and I, we forget names, but God has never forgotten your name. He's never forgotten it. God hasn't ever been like, oh, oh, give me a second. It'll come to me soon. It'll come to me. Now, what's it start with? What's it start with? God doesn't do that. When you read a genealogy, let it remind you God remembers your name. Number two, let it remind you that God knows your history. What do you mean, pastor? Hey, God knows your family line. God knows your heritage. God knows where you came from. When we read this and we know that God knows our history, I'll just say it very quickly today. As we read through a lot of these people, we don't know a lot about them, but God did. God knew everything about their history, everything about their family. He knew where they came from. He knew what families they were from. And here's the reason I say that today is because I often now, and I'll say this as a pastor and a pastor's son, uh, I, I've mentioned this, but we have tons of people in ministry in my family. And oftentimes I'll have someone say to me, well, pastor, I'm just not from a family like yours. Well, you don't know my family. Well, I don't have a good Christian family like you had. And people will say that to me. And it's not, it's not them knocking or anything. It's just, just the, their, their perception thinking that. And you may be right. Maybe you didn't grow up in a home that I grew up in. But that doesn't matter. God knows what family you came from. And God had purpose with you being born into that family. And God has purpose with you right now. Amen. Hey, God didn't mess up the family tree line. God knows where you came from and who you came from. He knows what your dad did, what your grandpa did, what your great-great-grandpa did. He knows what is in your family heritage. God knows. God knows your history. And I love how one man put it. It's not about where you came from, but it's about where you're going. It's not about where you came from, but it's about where you're going. God remembers your name. God knows your history. Number three today, God can use your life. God can use your life. <clears throat> Why do I say this today? We don't have the time to look into all of this, but knowing that God can use your life, skip ahead. See, that's why I didn't trust Brian. Knowing that God can use your life today is, is I want to point out a few of these thoughts. We can't go through all 77 names, but let me just give you a few of them. All right, let's just recognize a few names, five specifically. Number one, Joseph. Okay, who's Joseph? Well, Joseph, the supposed father of Jesus, he's a carpenter from Nazareth. Now that we know, but what else do we know? Well, Nazareth wasn't really a respected place. 
Nazareth wasn't somewhere that rich people came from. Nazareth wasn't somewhere that people really wanted to go to. It was known for a Roman garrison being there. It was kind of the other side of the tracks. So Joseph, this character from the other side of the tracks, he's listed in the family of Christ. Of course, he's the adopted father. Well, we can go through, and there's some other names that we would recognize that are direct blood descendants or direct blood ascendants of Jesus. And who would one of them be? David. We read the name David just a minute ago. And someone might go, ooh, I love David. Yeah, David and Goliath. Yeah, King David. And David has some great stories from his life. And while David was a man who constantly pursued after God, David was not a very good man at times. You know some things about David? David lied. David committed adultery. David murdered. David ran from God. David disobeyed God. And yet, do you know what we're reading? David in the lineage of Jesus. Who are some other names? How about Boaz? Boaz, now we could go and find out a lot about Boaz, but Boaz was the husband of Ruth. And while a lot could be said about them, just know that she was the Moabite. She was not of the people of God. She should not have been in the lineage of Christ. How about Salmon? Salmon, who is believed to be the husband of Rahab. Rahab, whose nickname was Rahab the harlot. One from Jericho. She's definitely a person that you would not qualify to be in the lineage of the Messiah. And yet you read of her husband and you read of her name specifically in Matthew's gospel about Judah, son of Jacob. We read stories of him not being a very nice guy. (laughs) Some things about Judah, he lied. He was a liar. He's the one who came up with the idea to sell Joseph into slavery. Judah had an affair with his own daughter-in-law and then tried to cover it up. You say, pastor, why do you read all of these things? Because these are individuals that we would all assume would not be qualified to be used by God. We, we would be like, oh, oh, the family of the Messiah? Well, the family of the Messiah probably had a lot of perfect people in it. And yet we know the family of the Messiah had a lot of messed up people in it. God desired to use people just like he desires to use you. So here's my question for you today. What in your life have you assumed disqualifies you from being used by God? Hey, this last week when God said, hey, I wanna work through you, and God said, hey, talk to your coworker, what excuse did you give? Well, God, they know who I used to be. Well, God, they, you know what we do is often we say, you know, God, you can't do anything with this. God, when, you, when I came into your family, God, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. God, you can't use me. And yet I believe that a lineage like this would argue against that, uh, that argument that you and I bring, and it would be able to stand its own ground to help us understand that the principle from 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it is still true that the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. What does this mean? Man, God is just looking for people that he can use. And you know who God is looking at? He's looking at you. 
And this week, you and I are gonna have opportunity to allow our life to be used for him or used for ourselves. But the fact of the matter is that every week we offer up assumptions that we think disqualify us from being used by God. Well, God, uh, think about what I did two years ago. God, you know what God says? Hey, I see your teen years. Hey, I see your young adult years. Hey, I see five years ago. God says, I see it all. And I still want to use you. Wow. God desires to use us in spite of our doubts, in spite of our fears, in spite of our failures. God desires to use us because he is a God full of mercy and full of grace that knows your name, knows where you're from, and desires to use you. Last lesson we can learn is this. Every time you read a lineage, specifically Luke chapter three, you can remember this, that God loves you. Hey, God loves you. Boy, I tell you, I said it at the beginning. This lineage, Luke writes it so that every single person of the world would know. God, Jesus Christ, qualifies to be your savior. John recorded it this way for us in John chapter three, verses 16 through 18, when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For because God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Listen, the entire Bible is written so that we could know that God loves us. It's written to point us to Jesus Christ as the savior of the world. And this lineage specifically is Luke connecting Jesus, not just to his heritage, but it's Luke connecting Jesus to you. How? We are all descendants of Adam. It started with Adam and Eve. And Luke is saying, hey, he qualifies to save anyone who is a descendant of Adam. Why would he qualify? Not only because of all the proofs of who he was, what he did, how he died on the cross and his resurrection, but because of his love. John wrote it this way, that we love because he first loved. Let me tell you this morning that when you and I can read a lineage, it should remind us of how much God loves us. And so I'd ask you today, based upon his love for you, have you placed your faith and your trust in him? You see, God came to this earth. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and he was crucified after these 33 years and then rose again after three days and he did it to prove to you and I that he is in fact the son of God. He did all of that to validate that truth for us, but he did all of it motivated by love for us. And so if you are here and you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, listen, this lineage, let it be something that points you to the fact that God loves you and gave his life for you. But I wanna say this today as we close. As we read this lineage, I don't know, I don't know if you do what I do, but I'm gonna kind of tattle on myself. You know what I do sometimes when I read a lineage? I just skim it 
And I'm like, oh yeah, God, thanks for these names. That's really cool. And I go, let me get to the, let me get to something else. Hey, you know what? It's there on purpose. And so today from Luke 3, and next time you come across any lineage, let it remind you, God knows my name. Hey, this week, God knows your name. Our series has been Hope in Darkness. I'm thankful that during dark times of my life, God knows my name. God knows my heritage. He knows where I come from. God knows everything about me and he desires to use me. Now, maybe you think you're something special, but I know that Dennis Fountain, I know at times I think I'm special. You know what? Most of the time I'm like, man, God, I don't even know what you see in me. You know, this week, the devil's gonna try to tell you, here's what disqualifies you from being used by God. Here's what disqualifies you from telling your neighbor about Christ. Here's what disqualifies you from being a good testimony at work. Hey, here's what disqualifies you for investing in your kids. Hey, here's what disqualifies you for being a good spouse. The devil's gonna try to get you this week to believe lies that that he says disqualify you from being used by God. But my friend, if God would use people like we read in this lineage, God wants to use you. And so this week, when the devil climbs back up on your shoulder and says, here's why you can't, this week, you could go to a lineage in Luke chapter number three and say, devil, here's why I can. Because God knows me, he remembers me, he loves me, and he wants to use me.